seat. Aren't we just blessed to have such a wonderful choir and music director and time of opportunity to worship God? Let's give him a praise. Let's give God a praise. My goodness. Many of you have heard or know the stories about Corey Ten Boone. Corey was born in the late 1800s in Netherlands. She grew up in a time that was very difficult. Although her own life was one of, of great humanitarian love and also uh, service to Jesus Christ, she was a great evangelist in a very difficult time of life when World War II came about. In her early 30s, the war invaded her home country, it invaded her hometown, and eventually it also invaded her own home. But it was within that sort of a situation that her and her family were able to give hope to hundreds of Jews and hundreds of Dutch revolutionaries who were seeking to combat the Nazi Germany that was against them. In 1943 and 1944, this family was, at any given time, housing six to seven individuals who would either be there for only moments or hours, could even be there for weeks or months, depending on whether or not they could help them move on to the next place of hiding. They were being sought by the Nazi secret police, the Gestapos. They were being sought by the, the German army. And so they put their own lives in great peril. They were all the time fearful whether they would have enough to pay their bills or to get food to feed everyone. They were often fearful if uh, they might be found out because of uh, people speaking too much. You perhaps have heard the old uh, adage, uh, loose lips sink ships. It was very true then, even though there was no boats around. The more you help people and the more the word gets around that there are those who are willing to help, those who are willing to risk their lives to give hope to others, that there's a possibility that someone will slip and someone will speak when they shouldn't. Well, on February the 28th in 1944, that fear came true. The Gestapo, the German secret police, came in and they arrested the Boone family. They arrested Corey and all of her sisters and brothers. And they waited throughout the day secretly and wound up arresting 30 others who came there seeking refuge. But they didn't find the one thing that they were looking for. They were still looking for the Jews who had been hidden in the home, but yet they never could find them. They had been hidden away so well in Corey's room in a secret compartment that they never were discovered. Later, as time allowed, they did escape. But Corey and her family wound up spending years in prison. In fact, they were in the notorious Ravensbrück concentration camp where at times the life that they lived was almost unbearable. Can you imagine being thrown into a situation like that where constantly you're in fear for your life? But Corey and her sister did not focus on the fear that was there, but rather they focused on sharing the love of Jesus Christ with others in that confined area. And because of it, we don't know how many others may have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But they lifted their hope in times when there seemed to be none. Later, after the war was over, you would think that with such an individual would just be glad to get away as far as possible from that locality. But after the war was over, Corey came back to Germany and established an outreach ministry to where there in Germany she launched a worldwide evangelistic campaign. 
And who knows the number of lives like Billy Graham who that she touched with her story. Likewise, the Old Testament is filled with individuals like Corey who were men of hope, women of hope, and they sought to proclaim that message to others around. There were women and men who cared deeply about the nation of Israel and the effects that sin would have upon them as a nation. Jeremiah the prophet was such a man. He lived in a time when his own nation was, if you will, just experiencing a downward spiral. They had gone into idolatry. They had fallen away from being obedient to God. And God's hand of chastisement, his discipline was upon them. It was a very difficult time, although Jeremiah gave them warning after warning and opportunity, opportunity through the proclamation of God's word, that if they would repent, if they would turn, that the hand of God would be lifted from them. But yet it fell on deaf ears. And so Jeremiah became known as the weeping prophet because he cared so deeply and he saw so much going on in the nation as far as destruction and devastation and how the people were suffering. I want us to look today at Lamentations chapter 3 in our time of study together and worship because I believe it's here that not only does Jeremiah talk about the devastation and the sorrow, but he also talks about the hope. And certainly we need to hear about that today, do we not? Lamentations chapter 3, begin reading at verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings and wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. It's, it's funny that Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah would, would make this comment about bearing the yoke. We've talked about bearing the yoke of sin, but here he's talking about the yoke of relationship with God. That if you come and, and relate yourself rightly to God, that there will be a freedom from sin and there will be a partnership, a relationship with Almighty God, that when you start early, perhaps you won't suffer all of those hard consequences that rebellion brings. I didn't want to start reading our time together here from verse 1 on to verse 18 because there is so much sorrow and so much grief that Jeremiah speaks to us here about what the nation was experiencing. Even in some of the commentaries we read, Drake's commentary says that, that here in this first 18 verses that there's at least 34 comments about the sufferings and sorrows uh, and, and of lamentations that Jeremiah is recording and giving and we know that by reading all of this book, it's only a few short chapters, that we find that there are much other things that they were going through in a time like this. God's hand of discipline was upon them, but also He is a God of mercy and grace. And we need to keep that in mind as we go through this time together. He begins in verse 19 by saying, and as he capsulizes all of these sorrows and all of this difficulty that they're going to, he capsulizes it in verse 19 by saying, Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the bitterness. He's saying, We have been afflicted. Oh God, I have been afflicted. And I have been feeling the depths of the sorrow of this. It is so bitter upon my soul. And I remember these things with, with 
horror in my mind and in my heart because they are so difficult for us. He says in verse 20 that my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Have you ever felt that, that depressed that things were so hard against you and so firm against you that your soul felt the weight of it? I know that in the day that we live and the difficult times that we face that we are going through many things that individually and collectively, not only as uh, Christians but also our whole nation, that we sometimes feel that pressure in such a dramatic way that it feels like our soul is just being pressed down within us. I want us to focus just on a couple of verses that Jeremiah brings up because it depicts just how he felt in a time like this. To show that he too understands our feeling and we can understand his. For in verse 10, he depicts God as being like a, a lion or a bear that comes against him. He is uh, one who crosses paths with this God from time to time. And he seems to him to be like a lion or a tiger or a bear. Oh my, how the pressure is building and how you hate to cross paths with such an animal. And he says, that's the way God seems to me, that every time I go out and cross paths with him, he's seeking to devour me because of this depression I'm feeling and because of this discipline that's upon our nation. And even I am being affected by it. He also goes on to, to say, if you will, in verse 12, that he feels like William Tell's son. You know who William Tell was? William Tell was a great crossbow artist who could hit a target so small that his, his fame spread all over the land. He, he says in verse 12 of the same passage, speaking of God, his bow is bent and he has set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows in, of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. That's how Jeremiah is saying that he feels. I feel like this arrow has come into my belly and I feel the sting of it. I feel the bite of it and it's just gnawing away at my soul. And, and that's how William Tell's son, I'm sure, felt. If you know the story, William Tell was a, a man who was born in the 1300s in Austria. And there were hard political times during that time as well. And there was a new governor that had set himself up in town, Gissler, who made a new law. He said, everyone who passes through the city square must bow down as I lift my hat upon a pole. And every time you pass that pole, you must bow down to my hat in respect and honor. William Tell refused to do that and likewise was arrested. As punishment, Gessler made him take his crossbow and use his own son as a pole to hold an apple upon his head. And his punishment was to aim at his son and seek to hit that apple. Can you imagine how that son must have felt? Can you imagine, even though you love your father, you trust your father, to know that that arrow is pointed right at you? And to know that with one small slip, it could end your life? I'm sure that this is what Jeremiah is trying to tell us. I feel like William Tellson. I feel like the arrow has not come even towards me. It has hit me. That's how bad I feel over the destruction and over the sorrow that my country is being affected by, that I am being affected by. Surely we understand this type of grief. Is there anyone here today that can identify with Jeremiah's feelings? No? Everybody's great, huh? Everybody's having a great time in life. No problems paying bills. 
No problems with children getting addicted to drugs or being disobedient to parents. No problems with uh, jobs being possibly lost. No problems like that. We all feel, we all can identify with the sorrow and the grief that Jeremiah is expressing here. And one way or another, we are all in this same situation. We know that there are hardships that abound. We know that there are afflictions. And I've got to tell you, folks, as I go out and visit among the folks that, that are members of this very congregation, and as I go about and, and witness to and seek to meet people that, who are not uh, right with Christ, who are not members of this church, my heart is heavy because of the sorrow I experience. My heart is... is Deep down within me, burdened because of the, the difficulties that I see you going through and others going through, we all can identify with Jeremiah. All we have to do is open our eyes. All we have to do is begin to look around. And, and we know through our own experiences, as we look within, we see the heartache and we see the pain. And we know the experiences that are going on with our own lives and with our families. And we can identify with Jeremiah when he says, Remember my afflictions and my wanderings. And these things are so bitter to my soul. Lord, help me. Our president, who's in office today, campaigned on change and hope. I want to share with you today that our government cannot bring you the kind of help that you need. There are even help groups, self-help groups that are bound out there in the world today, but they can't bring you and I the really kind of the help that we need. There is only one place that you and I can go for the help we need, and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? His name is Jesus Christ. I want you to look with me. Not only do we look out, Jeremiah is looking out and he's feeling the sorrow, he's feeling the pain, but more importantly than that, we need to look up, not looking out, and we see from which our help comes from. He begins to speak here in verse 21. He's saying, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. What was it he was recalling? What was it he was remembering? Look at verse 22 with me. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God. Great is Thy faithfulness. Do you know of the faithfulness of God in your life today? You see, that's what Jeremiah is remembering. Yes, he looked in and he felt as he looked out at the nation all of these sorrows and all these griefs. And he felt the pain of what was going on as they were encountering these things. But he did not allow his focus to be gazed there. He allows his gaze to go to the one who could provide for his promises. The one who could meet his needs. The one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. And his name is Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here about his remembrance of the Lord. His loving kindness never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Do you know the faithfulness of God to meet you early in the morning? Do you know the faithfulness of God to grant you grace that abounds I want to share with you, there was a time in my life, and I'm sure there was a time in your life as well, you knew about God, you believed in Jesus Christ, but you really didn't understand maybe what salvation was all about. You didn't really know the theology about who God really was and all that it meant, but you believed that He was sovereign over all the earth. You believed that He was Creator God and that you had responsibility before Him. That's where I was many years ago in my life. 
I would pray often on this or that or the other. But I got to tell you, there was a time in my life when prayer became real serious because I met some very serious times in my life. My wife and I, Kathy, we were married back in 1970 in June of that year. And in September of that year, I received this letter in the mail from the United States government that said, Greetings. For those of you who live in my era and remember what the draft was, uh, I received a draft notice three months into my honeymoon. I think that that's perhaps why, because I spent the next two years actually away from my family, and I, I think that's why I still feel like that I'm on honeymoon with my wife. We, we were missed so much those first few years that I'm still trying to make up for it. But it was a time of great fear, a time of great doubt and dread. I did not know what tomorrow would hold. I was on a flight to Vietnam, and I knew what was before me. I had been trained in infantry. I had been trained in jungle warfare. I knew the life that I was about to enter into and what it was going to be like. And that 12-hour plane trip that I spent in going to Vietnam, I spent in prayer. Can you believe that? <laughs> I had never prayed so much in all of my life. I prayed for 12 hours. I didn't sit down and talk to this guy that was next to me. I didn't wander around and get to meet other guys on the plane. I was spending 12 hours in prayer going, Oh, God, if you don't help me, I'm not going to be helped. I don't want to go out into these jungles and kill people. I don't want to be killed. I just got married. I want a family. I want children. I, I want all these things that I see are good and right and wholesome. And God, if you don't help me, I'm not going to be helped. And so I began to pray and I asked something very specific of God. I said, oh God, if you could just put me driving trucks. You know, I know everything will be all right. Everything will be great because, you see, I won't be out in the jungles and I won't have to be worried about the enemy, you know, sneaking up on us and everything. What I didn't know is you got shot at more driving trucks than you did actually out in the jungle. But something amazing happened three days after I was in country. I was there three days and I received my placement orders. And they were orders sending me to a transportation unit driving trucks. Do you think that that got my attention? Do you think that that helped me to realize the power of prayer and the awesomeness of God? I, I will never forget that time of prayer that God brought me into. I will never forget that He is the one who put it upon my heart to pray to be that truck driver. I will never forget the awesome experience I had that God gave me hope because He is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. And he began to show me and teach me at that moment that he was dependable, that he was real, that God does hear prayer, that he can change a life. And my friends, let me tell you something. If he can change my life, he can change yours. Because there's not one place that you have been or even are today that I haven't been. There's not one weakness and not one doubt and not one fear that you've had or maybe you're having today that I have not had. But I'm standing here before you today to let you know that God's faithfulness is new every morning and His grace abounds to you and it abounds to me. And this is where our hope is. Amen? This is where our hope is. Our hope is to be in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. 
we all need hope. And that's why Jesus gave the invitation to his disciples and all those who would hear it saying, Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my load is light. There is hope today for everyone who will look unto Jesus Christ and follow in obedience to His Word. There is hope today and strength to everyone who will repent from sin and look to Him as eternal Savior. For my friends, He is indeed just that. He is our Savior, He is our Redeemer, and He is our friend. And you will find none that will stick closer to you than Jesus Christ. Whenever we need help, whenever we need guidance, whenever we need strength, we need not look about us. We need simply to look up. For it is Him that brings us hope. Listen again to what Jeremiah says from verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. I have hope in Him. We may not know what tomorrow brings. We, we may not know the answers or how we're going to meet those situations. We may not even feel like we have the resources necessary. But if you have Jesus Christ, you have all you need for life and godliness. Oh, my friends, God has brought to you and I the strength that we can never muster up upon ourselves. A strength that you and I and a wisdom that you and I can never meet or, or try to make happen because we ourselves think that we are capable. But only in Jesus Christ do we truly have hope. For us individually, for us collectively as a church, for this nation as a whole, if we are to ever climb out of the mess that we have found ourselves in, we must begin to get on our knees and look up. You see, that's where Jeremiah is. He knew that the, the restoration of Israel, if it ever was going to happen, must first start as he gets on his knees before Almighty God and he pours his soul out to him. You know, it's okay if you rant and rave about how bad you feel and how wrong you feel like God's been treating you lately. It's okay if you do that. God can handle it. You see, God already knows how you feel anyway. God already knows what you're thinking anyway. Pour it out. Bring it before His throne. Lay it there at His feet. And then say, Lord, You are my hope. You are my strength. You are my help. You are a very important refuge for me when I go through these difficult times. Strengthen me. Help me. Guide me. Some of you right now are feeling like you're going through hell on earth. You may not say it. You may not express it to anyone. You may be real silent about what you're experiencing and what you're going through right now. And I want to tell you that God loves you. And that He's there for you. He's not against you. He is for you. And He is there to help you when you get on your knees and turn to Him in faith. You see, we have hope because we have faith in God. We have faith in Jesus Christ who is our Redeemer. God receives no pleasure in our pain. And God is full of grace and mercy to help us in our need. And when you and I find that help that only God can bring, then and only then can we truly help others around us the way we should. For you see, God doesn't want to just give you hope. He doesn't want to just give you hope and me hope. God wants to share hope throughout the world. And you and I are to be bearers of that hope. You and I are to be the carriers of that word of faith that comes by, by hearing. And if we go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others and let them know just who this God is, 
Perhaps then we can see change in a world that seems to be headed away from God rather than to Him. Jeremiah speaks here in verse 39 and he says, Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? Let us examine and probe our ways. Let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. We lift up our heart to heaven. That is a repentive heart. That is a heart that says, God, I'm so sorry for what I have done and how I have walked away from you. But we also lift up hands that says, Lord, I'm seeking after you. It can mean two different things when we lift up our hands. It says, Lord, I'm seeking you in petition and prayer. Or it could say, Lord, fill these hands up with strength that I might serve you. Commentaries, and I believe that Jeremiah would would be saying both of these things here. I'm lifting up my heart and my hands before you, O God, that not only can I be blessed, but I should be a blessing. Isn't that what the Lord spoke to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12? I will make your name great, Abraham. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will bless your descendants after you that your name might be great and I will bless you that you might be a blessing to others. How many of you feel blessed this morning? We are blessed in Jesus Christ beyond all measure. My friends, you and I have hope in Him. There is no other place to go. Hear the words in Genesis 12 that God gives hope to Abraham. Do you hear the hope that's there? I want to bless you that you might be a blessing. David writes in Psalm 63 saying, O God, Thou art my God, I shall seek Thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for Thee. My flesh yearns for Thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have beheld Thee in the sanctuary to see Thy power and Thy glory because Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise Thee, so I will bless Thee all the days that I live. I will lift up my hands in Thy name. My soul is satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with great joy from my lips. Oh my, how this needs to be the attitude of our heart today. Verse 20, uh, excuse me, 57 is Jeremiah is coming to a conclusion on chapter 3. He says, You draw near when I called upon you, O God. And you said, Do not fear. Those are three great words, aren't they? Do not fear. You see, God doesn't want us to walk in fear. He wants us to walk in faith. He doesn't want us to shrink back. He wants us to go forward. Should we put our trust in Him? Yes. With every ounce of our being. Because He is faithful. He is merciful. His compassions are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God. Do you know the greatness of our God today? I want to read for you as we come to a close a wonderful hymn that we need to hear and we need to let it sink down into our hearts. The solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. 
Folks, where are you standing today? Where's your hope? We hear so much negativity coming from the news around the world today. In fact, you may even hear so much negativity from your neighbor and your family members. No wonder we feel depressed and burned out. Stop looking out and look up. For Christ is your hope. Shall we pray? Our Father, we bow humbly before your throne today and we thank you that you revive us. You restore us. You bring about a strength and a wisdom that can come from no other place. You give us insight as to what tomorrow holds and how we should face it. And I pray that your spirit would just bring about a mighty movement of revival in this place. That we may look to you with hope upon our hearts. And know without doubt that you are a faithful God. And through that hope, may we reach out to others that they may know you. For us in Christ we ask it. Amen. This morning, if you're here and you've never known of the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ, know that it requires just a few simple things. Repent from your sin and turn to God. Receive that strength, receive that forgiveness, and know of that power of hope that He can give you. Christian, if you've been walking through some deep waters lately, no better place to start to find that strength than right here on your knees. Perhaps you just need a family of faith to gather around you and say, you know, we can do this together. This invitation is for you. The staff will be down here. I'll greet you. But as the Spirit of God moves upon your heart to answer these calls, to know of His hope, you come, and I'll greet you as you do.